for the win. It's good. Fires over the middle. Collins at the goal line. Touchdown, Miners. This is the Mineshaft, a UTEP football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Network. Now here's your host, Colin Deaver, and former UTEP kicker, Gavin Beckley. It's bigger than the 99th. I don't know if it's as big as the 101st. It's the 100th edition of the Battle of I-10 between UTEP and New Mexico State. And we are here to break it all down on the Mineshaft. I'm Colin Deaver, your host, alongside my co-host, Gavin Beckley, the 2022 Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Year. Before we get going on this Battle of I-10 preview, we have to pay the bills. Of course, home field, as you know, is... The sponsor of the Mineshaft, a Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast. Uh, the Mineshaft can get you 15% off your first time purchase of any UTEP home field apparel. I think Gavin is wearing, it looks like he's wearing a home field hat right now. Do they make UTEP home field hats or is it just shirts? That that looks like um, a home field hat. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice little vintage one, but I did not get it from home field, I, I will have to say. Gotcha. Gotcha. I still don't have, he still hasn't gotten a shirt for the folks who are keeping tabs on that. It's sitting on my kitchen table in a very safe spot. Um, but yes, 15% off all first time purchases of UTEP apparel uh, at home field using the promo code Mineshaft. So let's get, jump right into it. Uh, I did a solo episode last week talking about um, the win over FIU for UTEP to get to two and five. Obviously, the big story out of that, the play of Fourth string quarterback, Cade McConnell, uh, 11 of 17, 200, and I believe 61 yards, 62 yards passing through the air, two touchdowns, and then Kelly Akari uh, going nuts as well. Eight catches, 223 yards, and the two touchdowns from Cade McConnell. Uh, Gavin, this is your first opportunity really to discuss this game publicly. Um, I don't know. We sort of had – I don't know if we – said it on the podcast i know we talked about it we both had a little bit of a feeling that cade mcconnell might have a little bit of something for fiu i did not think that he was going to do that though no yeah i I definitely agree i mean going out there and and throwing your first touchdown and then a nice little 80 yard bomb and then just right off the bat i mean i was watching on my couch and i stood up and i was yelling and everything so i mean it was just I, I don't think I've had one time this year that I've had that kind of excitement um, coming from the UTEP team. So it was just really good to see. And then, I mean, Kelly had a, had a great game. They were finding him all over the field, whether it was Cade or whether or Kevin on that one play. Um, he just always seemed to be open and, and making a great play, as we saw later in the game, whenever there could have been a Cade threw a ball in the triple coverage and somehow Kelly was able to, get it tipped and, and come down with it. So, I mean, it was just a, a great game overall um, for UTEP offensively, defensively, and a huge game for Cade. Uh, I mean, kind of hinted a little. You you were definitely a, a lot stronger believer than I was. Um, but knowing knowing Cade, I mean, I knew that he, he's a great guy, great person, and I knew he was going to do whatever it took to to help out and give UTEP the dub, and, and he was able to do that and come through in a, in a very, very – great fashion that was really really nice to see dana dimmel already said that mcconnell will start tomorrow versus uh new mexico state in the battle of i-10 he of course offered the same caveat that he has the last few weeks that if gavin hardison is healthy uh he 
that may change things. Um, the same plan as last week. Hardison was going to throw, try to throw today. This is t- meaning Tuesday um, to see if he's good to go. But I will just tell everybody at practice yesterday, he had a wrap on his throwing arm and him and Tyron Smith were playing catch and Gavin was throwing with his left arm. So uh, to give everybody just an idea of where things stand, I would fully expect Cade McConnell to be back out there uh, for UTEP versus New Mexico state. And um, I mean, he, he kind of proved that he's he might be the best option uh, for this UTEP team right now anyways. Um, obviously, you know, the stats are impressive. The way he played in his first start is impressive. But for you, what about what he did maybe carry is the most replicable and can carry over the most, not just to the Battle of I-10, but moving forward in other games? Yeah, I mean, just kind of his, his accuracy that he had, as we kind of saw – um, the other backup quarterbacks in the previous game on like their first drive, they both threw similar fades and they were both overthrown, um, not as good balls as as you'd want coming out of there. And then, I mean, just for him to step up on that that first drive and hit Kelly down the sideline with a perfectly placed pass, 80 yards um, for a touchdown. I mean, it was it was just one of those things. And he was he was pretty accurate all night. Obviously, there was a couple here and there that were were a little off or a little underthrown or overthrown. But I mean, other than that, he. He definitely has has very good accuracy. Um, whenever whenever it came to kind of leading the receivers where he wanted to go, or or kind of keeping the receivers back and and not putting them in a in a dangerous position. So I mean, it was it was really really good to see something that we haven't really seen, and especially, um, I mean, the only really play that I can think of that he didn't make a good decision was the one that he threw down the middle in the triple coverage that was tipped and Kelly was able to catch. But I mean, overall his decision-making I think there was only one or two times where uh, he kind of scrambled out of the pocket and instead of throwing the ball away, he took a sack, which not something you really want to see there, but that just comes with a little bit of experience. But I mean, other than that, great, great overall game for his first, first ever start. Yeah, I know. I think I know exactly the play you're talking about because He's he's like rolling out to his right off a bootleg in this I think it was second quarter and um should have just thrown the ball away instead takes a sack fifteen five or ten yards back and uh, made for I think it just made for a longer field goal I think that was I think that was the one that Buzz made um in the second quarter to uh, to put them up twenty four seven at that point so um yeah no he he deserves a lot of credit for for how he played in his first start um. Now it's about consistency and and seeing if you can do it again. I mean, not not to say anybody can go out there and and do it one time, but the number of people that have had a solid, you know, one start at the college level, like there's a lot of people that have done that. Um, the number gets fewer and fewer that have been able to consistently do it, you know, over the course of a career. So uh, we'll see if he uh, continues to do that. But obviously, um, getting off to a great start, his processing just how quickly he would make a decision and just um, go with it and how often it was the right decision too. Um, it was, was pretty impressive. So uh, we'll see if you can do it in the battle of I-10. One last thing uh, on the FIU game before we uh, really just dive into the battle of I-10, which I know is what people want to talk about anyways, but um, your boy buzz makes the field goal and then gets the, the 15 yard excessive celebration penalty taunting, whatever it was first. I have two questions for you on that one. Why is that not a uh, running into the kicker penalty? Um, like, sh- like a like, should it have been basically? And two, what do you think of the the viral celebration to get the penalty? Pat McAfee was talking about it the whole nine. 
Yeah. Uh, so the first one, um, it's it's up and down. It's really, really vague whenever you ask um, the officials, because I've had multiple times where I've gotten roughed and it hasn't been called. Um, and they say that if you're finished with the kicking motion and the kick, like your, your follow through and everything, and you're not still in a kicking motion, then it's not a flag. They can, they can hit your leg or whatever. But then that also brings the question, well, when is your kicking motion done? Is that, is the balls going through the uprights? Is that as you bring your leg down, there's just a whole, a whole lot of different things is we've seen like the, the uh, running in and roughing the punter has been called a lot more, but roughing the kicker is kind of one of those gray areas that changes the game so much because it could be a, a missed field goal that then they re-kick and then make it, or it's, it's just one of those things that, that refs need to try to get together and be able to, to happen. Cause I know against law tech, I, I got hit literally right after I kicked, I kicked, I looked up and I got hit, hadn't finished my kicking motion. And they said that one of the uh, linemen threw the guy into me, which didn't happen. I don't know how that happens, but, but so it's just one of those things that, that the refs don't really know. So, um, but on the, on the bright side, you know, buzz did make that love the, love the taunting. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of chances to be able to do that, but I mean, that's just one of those things that whenever you're kind of put on a on a pedestal like that, you gotta continue to be able to to perform well and and especially if you're gonna do stuff like that, which which obviously there was a, a drop off kind of after after that celebration that happened and everything and the taunting. I think it was a little weak um, that it was called and there was a couple fingers from the other team pointing at Buzz whenever that had happened, which obviously was was really funny. But if anyone knows Buzz, I I think that that's the only correct thing for him to do in that position. He's a very, very goofy guy, very funny guy. Um, and just him sticking his tongue out and shaking his head was just the the icing on the cake for, for who Buzz is. And I'm glad that, that the UTEP special teams for once in a long time got some good national recognition. I, I tried last year, by the way, to get, I mean, the mullets. I mean, I did, I did a whole story on the mullets last year. I did, you know, but I don't know that they. I don't know nationally that and Pat Pat McAfee wasn't retweeting my my story about Mullet. So you're right. So nationally, good for good for the brand for UTEP. So we'll uh, transition now into the battle of I-10. Uh, we have joked all year on this podcast that uh, the 100th edition of the battle of I-10 is is much bigger than the 99th uh, for obvious reasons. But will it be bigger bigger than the one the 101st? Who knows? We'll see next year. But the 100th edition of the battle of I-10. UTEP at two and five, New Mexico State at four and three. Um, the Miners lead the all-time series. Uh, they started playing in 1914. There have been a few gap years. I think a couple World Wars. COVID did it a uh, two, few years ago. They didn't play uh, in 2001 or 2003, I believe, um, because of just some differences between the, the two schools. They weren't so super happy with each other. Um, but for the most part, Gavin, like this rivalry over the last 110 years um, in college football has been one of the one of the mainstays. Um, UTEP leads the all time series 59 to 38. There's two ties. The Miners have won the last two. They have the longest winning streak in the series from 09 to 2016. Um, NMSU did win three in a row from 2017 to 2019. And again, like we said, they did not play in 2020 uh, due to the COVID-19 um, pandemic. So. 
I, I had a story on this uh, last night on KTSM. Um, in college athletics right now, you're seeing with conference realignment, all of these traditional rivalries kind of going by the wayside. Kansas, Missouri is one. Um, I went to Oregon. We're not sure if we're going to play Oregon State again anymore when they're not going to be in the same league. This one, though, is so inter interesting to me because they haven't been in the same league for 62 years. It's been since 1961, and the rivalry has has lasted and um, has, has been as, as heated as ever. What to you um, does that say about the Battle of I-10, that it was kind of able to survive, you know, these – 60 years where um, two schools 30 minutes apart from each other weren't in the same league. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, especially since uh, New Mexico state was uh, independent where they could really just play whoever they wanted. So it was kind of um, that's kind of one of the things that New Mexico state did right. Whenever trying to keep the rivalry, because it was just one of those things where they could, they could play whoever, whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted kind of thing. So so it was that's kind of one of the reasons that it was able to last out of out of all this. And then, as we've seen, they've come into conference USA now and and are able to to play the minors in conference, which I think is is going to make that game even bigger, because not only is is it going to be one of the uh, just just a, a win on the column for UTEP, but now it'll be in conference play. So it'll it'll be a, a, a really good game, especially at, at home for UTEP. Um, I know that. Mexico State's coming off a, a a pretty big win against Sam Houston with some some good uh, numbers for the quarterbacks and receivers uh, that game and I mean UTEP's coming off a, a good win against FIU so hopefully um, this game is kind of what it's brought out to be and is the best one yet of 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 the games we've seen I mean I know I can say with certain this will be the best triple digit year of the rivalry series I, I can say that without certain. At least so far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least so far. Uh, it, it will take that top spot immediately. Um, John Teicher, the voice of the minors, uh, beloved friend of the podcast here, um, he calls this the best rivalry in college sports that nobody knows about, uh, which I think is a great way to put it um, because that it, we are out here on an island uh, in, in El Paso uh, and Las Cruces. Um, not a lot of people come out here, but they have two traveling trophies. It's one of, if not the only, uh, rivalry game in college athletics with two traveling trophies, the, the silver spade and the mayor's cup. Um, if you were going to describe this rivalry to, you know, you, you're at, you're out on a Saturday night in Dallas where you live. Um, and you tell somebody, yeah, I was a kicker at UTEP. And they ask you about the, this rivalry. They're a college, even if they're a college football fan, they know a lot about athletics, they don't know much about this rivalry. How would you describe it to them? Um, I would say it's especially to the people and in, in kind of the geographical locations, how it's in two different um, states. I would say it's very similar to Texas, Oklahoma, just in a in a smaller scale. Obviously, it doesn't have its own stadium, at the Cotton Bowl and everything. But this is one of the games that they are so close and everything. So you're going to see um, a lot of a lot of orange and uh, I believe their colors crimson, something like that, um, in the in the stadium, just because they are so close. So it's gonna be gonna be a good one. Um, but if yeah, if, if someone did ask me about it, I would just say it's it's a, a mini version of Texas Oklahoma, just kind of um, in in their own way, still still a very heated rivalry like that. But it's it's definitely like I said, not as big. Yeah, I don't think anybody 
UTEP or NMSU would try to make the claim that it's uh, on the level of an Ohio State, Michigan or anything like that. But it does mean a lot um, to this region, has a lot of history. Like we said, uh, played it every almost every year since 1914, the, the two traveling trophies. So uh, just it's a it's a special game for this region. Um, and you brought it up a second ago. I mean, it's the first time uh, it's you know that it will account for the conference standings. Um, since 1961 so that will add to it as well and um, you know especially for for UTEP coming in at two and five one and two in league play uh, this is a chance for them to get back to 500 in Conference USA for New Mexico State four and three two and one in Conference USA um, that if I were them I mean they're probably looking at their current schedule um, this, this game then they're at Louisiana Tech and then after that, they host Middle Tennessee. They actually have to win seven games this year for bowl eligibility at MSU because they play. They're playing a thirteen-game schedule. I mean, if I if I'm in MSU, I'm looking at this game as you know one of the, the the next three games where they have to win it to to get to a bowl game. And um, if they win, th- I'll tell you what, man. If they win this game, like you could be, they could you could be considering New Mexico State like for a potential spot in the conference USA championship game um in the next month and a half or so so um certainly a lot on the line um just because as you said earlier it's now a conference game yeah it just kind of raises the stakes a little bit um it's it's a big rivalry um in in the region i mean all of the people at utep hate new mexico state all the people in new mexico state hate utep there's always been some form of form of rivalry whether it's billboards that people are making or just just the football, uh, basketball, any of that stuff. So it's just it, – it's good, I think, now that it's in the conference because it just takes it to the next level and it means a little bit more than, than it did being out of conference. But, I mean, both teams are going to prepare and show up. And, I mean, anything can happen. We we saw – I think it was in one of the games that I was a part of, New Mexico State didn't score an offensive touchdown that we played, and they beat us 27-20. to 20. Or maybe they scored one, but it was a special teams and a defensive. So, I mean, any anything can happen. So, and then the next year, uh, I think, I, I believe we we smoked them 30 to three or something like that. So, it's just anything can happen. They're going to drop the plays that they know that they can beat the other team. And, and we're going to see a lot of stuff, I think, that we haven't really seen uh, prior to this game. Well, I was going to, before we get into breaking this one down, um, crunching numbers, I guess. What what you you had 2018, 2019, which uh, both UTEP losses to New Mexico State yeah. your first couple of years. Don't play in 2020, then you blow them out on the road in 2021, and then it was close game uh, at the Sun Bowl last year. But UTEP wins. Um, that being said, what was your favorite memory um, from that rivalry series when you had a chance to play in it? Yep. Um, I mean, other than I mean. Other than the twenty twenty one, whenever we won thirty to three, um, and just being able to hold that trophy on the sideline before the game had even ended, I mean, it was just one of those things where no one, there wasn't a doubt that UTEP was going to win. Um, but I would say twenty nineteen, right before half, um, we had Tanner was the snapper, Mitch was the holder, I was the kicker. Um, we were down 13 to 14, about to go into half, like I said. Um, 45, 46-yard field goal um, on the middle of the field. Tanner snaps it, 
Um, Mitch has to get off of the ground, catch it from over his head, um, and put it back down on the ground. Um, and I kind of gave him a little bit of time and uh, hit the field goal right down the middle. And we celebrated like no other after that. I mean, it was just one of those, one of those things where we had we kicked so much and we had done so much in practice that I trusted Mitch to do everything he could. And and I mean, I've got the video on my phone. It was just, I think that was one of my best mem like top five memories I had, just because it was not a good snap and he was able to save it, and then it put us over it, it half. So. Um, it was it was great memory from that from that game and like I said other than the the blowout that we had and being able to actually hold the the spoon in the um uh, mayor's cup it was it was really nice to do I like that I forgot about that I forgot about that kick actually let's go find it in the archives uh <laughs> so looking at this game uh first of all really cool that it's gonna be on ESPN two uh national television for for this game on a wednesday uh thanks to the conference usa midweek schedule um if personally this is just my opinion if i'm conference usa moving forward i put this game on the day after thanksgiving um i think that that would be really cool moving forward but if you're gonna get it on national television and the only way to do that is on a wednesday here we are so um i love the fact that it's gonna get like a big spotlight in college football uh, on Wednesday. Um, that'll be awesome for both schools. Uh, shameless plug, KTSM will have an hour-long pregame show from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, on KTSM, previewing the game, taking you up to kickoff. Uh, we're excited about that. Some cool things planned for that. So um, this game does, again, it's the 100th edition. Like It deserves um, the recognition that it's getting um, because it is the 100th year of it. So I'm glad to see that for sure. But, you know, looking at this game and we'll start uh, with UTEP or with our kind of normal uh, look at the minors um, against the Aggies, and then we'll fl flip the script. Gavin will come in with questions for me about the Aggies. Um, Cause obviously I cover both of them pretty heavily. Um, but, you know, Gavin, first of all, for UTEP, how much of the game plan with McConnell, um, do you think can be used uh, against this New Mexico State defense that has been playing pretty well um, after the first couple of weeks of the season? Uh, they've given up under 17 points and now uh, four straight games, 17 or less points in four straight games. They're three and one in that time. Um, so for Cade McConnell, um, you know, what do you want to see from him uh, on Wednesday? Do you think that they'll be able to target Kelly Akari the way they did against FIU? Or is this going to be a game um, where the miners are going to need to lean on the ground game, kind of like we thought they were going to do uh, against FIU. And I, I guess they still kind of ended up doing that, but that was more just because they're up so big early. They were just trying to, you know, bleed the clock out. So kind of how do you see that working out for the offense for UTEP? Yeah, I think that, uh, that we're going to have to try to do what we did last game, air the ball out a little bit with Cade. Um, I mean, the, the Aggies are coming in with around two, 260 yards uh, passing loud. Per game so I mean there's going to be chances we're going to be able to air the ball out um and I mean they've got a pretty pretty solid uh rush defense only allowing 127 per game so I think this this game if, if we're not able to get the uh run game going then we're going to have to kind of rely on Cade as we did in the in the first quarter of FIU and I think that that we have the the right receivers I mean Jeremiah Ballard and uh and uh Kelly uh, as well as Marcus and, and a couple of other guys that are kind of below the radar to to get the job done and create some separation with the defenders and be able to 
to get open and influence the game as we saw um, they were able to do against FIU and, and just continue to, to uh, win the turnover margin as, as we saw last game. Um, they were able to, to limit um, and kind of force a little more turnovers that uh, against FIU. So I think that that's going to be huge this game, especially with, with how New Mexico State has been playing um, and just their, their quarterback and everything being able to, it looks like, do it all. But I think that it's gonna it's gonna come down to to who who has a better game plan because I think that very very well matchup and and UTEP's gonna have to be able to to limit some stuff on defense. Yeah, this Aggies defense and their their defensive coordinator is uh, Nate Dryling. Um, he's I th- I th- I think in a couple of years like Nate Dryling is gonna um, be at a Power Five school as a defensive coordinator. Like I just I just think he's really good. Um, they have again slow start to the year with uh, UMass, Western Illinois, and uh, and Liberty for them. But again, since then, that that New Mexico game is kind of the turning point for them um, defensively. Their their secondary, they just they have some dudes in the secondary. Man, cornerback uh, Andre Seldon's a Michigan transfer. Miles Rouser is a former uh, four star recruit. Um, that is at that is at New Mexico State. Um, JJ Derville is a safety that's been playing pretty well for them uh, this year in the secondary. So I, I think that their secondary is set up a little bit more to maybe slow down Cade McConnell um, than FIU's was. They also have a game of film on him now. Like FIU had no idea what he was going to look like. Um, they, I, I don't know that they totally knew who was even going to play, um, and when you're uh when you have kind of the element of surprise there you're able to to come in and and maybe do just that surprise people but now that you have you know film on him maybe that changes things for Cade McConnell but I also think like um he the way he was able to pick apart FIU was similar to what the Hawaii quarterback to, did to New Mexico State in the second half of that game where the the Aggies are up 17 to 3 at the half and F, and Hawaii scored 17 unanswered in the second half to win 20 to 17 um was that the score yeah 20 to 17 um so just the way he was the way he picked apart that defense like with some just just making throws on time i i see that as a little bit of a situation um for Cade mcconnell to take advantage of and then of course playing at home obviously that's gonna i think is gonna help him too yeah definitely i mean just just the the kind of factor of being at home has one of those things where it just kind of calms you a little bit more because you know that that whenever you go out there, everyone's not going to be screaming and yelling at you because they, they're not going to do that whenever you're on offense. On defense, just getting the crowd behind you and everything and on the on big third down plays, it's going to be going to be huge to to kind of have momentum. And then obviously, as, as we've seen, special teams needs to try to step it up. And I feel at home it's a lot easier because you're used to kicking in there and everything then then it is a way no doubt um this uh utep defense probably their best performance of the season uh last week against fiu uh limited them to just 14 points um the huge numbers though eight sacks which is the most uh by a utep defense since 2001 uh praise mehule broke the 30 year old sack record he's the all-time sack leader in the uh, program history now uh, with 21 and a half, Maurice Westmoreland was the um, Conference USA Defensive Player of the Week 
with uh, two and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. And then Kanias Vaughn had two sacks himself. So um, we'll get into the Diego Pavia breakdown, the NMSU quarterback in just a second. But um, coming off a performance like that, like how important will that pass rush be against a a team with a quarterback that that can can move and is, is pretty mobile? Yeah, I mean it's it's always hard to try to limit when a quarterback's able to to be a dual threat and run and throw. But I mean, I think the 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 front we have is and the linebackers did a did a great job against FIU in uh, limiting their dual threat quarterback. So I think that that's going to be one thing that we're going to have to try to do um, this game. Uh, we're going to have to try to get him out of the pocket as much as we can and not let him kind of step into his throws. And then whenever he does decide to scramble. We're definitely going to either have to have a spy on him or or have one of our, our D linemen be able to to keep up with him and, and try to take him down. But, I mean, it's going to gonna be a tall task. I mean, he's been – the NMSU quarterback has been playing really good. So, defensively, we're going to have to try to try to limit him as, as much as we can. Hey, you brought up the linebackers, uh, too. Uh, Tyrese Knight leads the nation right now in solo tackles. He's third in total tackles. Um, you know, even when – I don't know on against FIU even when uh you know things were getting past the defensive line um Tyrese was kind of cleaning things up he had a tackle for loss himself I guess only six tackles uh, in that game but um he, all season long he's kind of been the guy that cleans things up how crucial is he um in a situation like this like you said with a with a mobile quarterback Yeah I mean it's huge especially whenever he's whenever the quarterback's kind of rolling out on on some of these plays and instead of throwing the ball he's scrambling you're going to need someone to be able to to pick that out and especially try to try to stop the run game and and plug the holes so that way we we do make it a lot more predictable whenever they're going to do quarterback runs or or set throws um I mean like I said it's hard whenever there's a throw and the quarterback just decides to scramble um so it's just going to be a a, hopefully a big game from T night and, and we're able to to like I said limit the quarterback from only maybe being able to throw instead of being able to throw and or run. Are you worried at all about um, the receivers for New Mexico State, uh, Trent Hudson, Jonathan Brady? I mean, they, they they actually have like three or four guys that have uh, like three or four touchdowns on the season. They have a bunch of deep threats um, that uh, that Pavia's been able to find. And he we were talking about Cade McConnell throwing to the deep ball like, Pavia throws a really good deep ball um, that they t- kind of take advantage of. And I want to make sure I have the stats right, so I'm pulling them up. But, yeah, so, um, yeah, Jonathan Brady, Trent Hudson, and Jordan Parker all have at least three touchdowns. Get this, Jordan Parker, receiver for the Aggies, four catches, 194 yards on the year. Three three of those are touchdowns. He's averaging 48 and a half yards a catch. <laughs> um, so we know what his role is if he's out there just – Chuck it deep. Um, but does that worry you for this UTEP secondary, just the amount of um, deep shots that NMSU uh, may take and, and has kind of hit on a lot this year? I mean, yeah, definitely. Whenever they have multiple receivers where they can get the ball to, it makes it that much harder because it's it's kind of like in the NFL, you always put your best corner with the best receiver. So it's just one of those things that, that it's going to be that much harder for the UTEP secondary to be able to, to try to match up with their best receiver whenever they have three to four of them that that are also capable at, at bringing and reeling in the passes and, and scoring touchdowns. So, I mean, it's just going to be a big game overall um, from from the, the DBs and the safeties and the secondary to, to try to limit 
um, big plays as, as New Mexico State has been been known to have throughout this year. So I think it's it's gonna it's gonna be a, a hard task, but I think that they're they're gonna be up for it, and hopefully they are. All right, let's flip the script now. Uh, talk a little bit more about New Mexico State uh, as a UTEP alum, a uh, guy that obviously played against them uh, for four years, five years, but maybe doesn't know much about this team. This year's team, what uh, what what questions do you have? What concerns? Yeah, I mean, uh, what makes the the quarterback so good? I uh, just I call him so Diego Pavia, second year starter. I call him a poor man's Johnny Manziel. Um, he can be absolutely electric, um, making plays with his feet, with his arm, but he will do anywhere between five and eight things a game where you're like, why the hell would you do that? It's throws into traffic. It's um, scrambling around behind the line of scrimmage, trying to make a play. He's always trying to do something positive when he should probably just throw the ball away. Um, but that being said, I mean, he's he's been fantastic the last four games, the three and one. He's got... 1200 over 1200 total yards in those four games 10 total touchdowns he's only got one interception it's kind of like that run he went on last year at the end of the year when they went to the bowl game where he was like 1300 total yards of offense 13 touchdowns no turnovers at all uh, in the, their last like three or four games so reminiscent of that um and he he dealt with a little bit of scandal earlier this year um there's a video that purportedly shows Diego uh, urinating on the University of New Mexico Lobos practice field um, which certainly made once that got out, it made the social media rounds. Lobos fans weren't too happy about that. Um, so, and he's uh, he's actually not been allowed to talk to the media uh, since, so we haven't gotten his um, take on it. But Jerry Kill, you know, more or less apologized for him. He, the players said that he apologized to the team for his actions. He's been stripped of his captaincy uh, since that game. Um, so, or since that happened, I should say. So, um, it's been interesting to see how he's handled it, at least on the field. Like he's, he's handled, um, you know, making you know, that mistake. It, it seems like he's handled it well um, with, uh, you know, three wins in their last four. And yeah, he's just dynamic. Like he's, uh, he's a really little guy. He's, I think they list him at five eleven. There's no way that's true. Um, and he just, yeah, he's just hard to get a handle on. He's cause he's so quick and um, you know, he's, he's, like I said, I, I said earlier, he throws a really good deep ball. So he, He's definitely key for what they do. Okay. Um, what out of all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, do you think that UTEP can can try to poke and prod at to to wear it down is the most susceptible for for UTEP? Like what? Like what part? Of, like what side of the football do I think UTEP has the biggest advantage? Are you saying? Yep. Um, I think. I mean, slowing down Pavia is like going to be the key, like the key to the game. Like if they are able to hold him in check, they'll probably win. Um, I just think that's easier said than done. And like nobody's really done it since uh, Liberty uh, five weeks ago. Um, if you can get him to like make, make mistakes, turn the ball over, then you're going to have a chance. But nobody's done that really the last few weeks. So um I think like like that's the that's my biggest key to the game. But as as far as your question, I think offensively, like they're like I said, their defense has been playing better. Uh, NMSU has the last few weeks, um, but I also don't know that they've played like an offense with this much talent either. Um, I wasn't. I was at the UNM game uh, where they held UNM to seventeen points. I wasn't that impressed with New Mexico's offense. 
Um, Hawaii, they held to three points in the first half and just blew it in the second half to lose 20 to 17. They held FIU who we just saw play UTEP and their offense isn't great. Uh, they held them to 17 points. And then Sam Houston is one of the bottom teams in the entire nation um, in, in scoring points. So um, I, I do think that this will, this UTEP offense will probably be the best offense that they have played since the Liberty game. Um, and so how do you handle that step up in competition? If you're New Mexico state, how do you design a game plan for, you know, Cade McConnell, who is going to be coming in with a ton of confidence, um, did, did all the things that, uh, you want a quarterback to do for the most part, making the right decisions. And then you also have to, um, we haven't even talked about Torrance Burgess, um, and Deion Hankins, who, uh, both, they rushed for, I think, uh, 140 yards between the two of them against FIU. So, um, I, I just think that this offense, while for UTEP, while again, like it has, it has its limitations too. I just think it's going to be the best offense that NMSU has played against in a while. Um, and so, how they handle that, um, we'll we'll see. All right, and then last question would be, how much do you think playing at the Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl, well, is going to affect uh, New Mexico State? Uh, well, historically it's affected it a lot in El Paso. UTEP leads the all-time series 39 to 17 with one tie. Uh, so historically, like most teams, um, UTEP wins that game when they're at home. Um, but I think like last year, I mean, you, you remember it, like I was expecting you guys to absolutely dominate. Um, and you were for how you were up like 17 and nothing at half. And then they, they came out in the second half that they put Poppy in actually they, they switched the quarterbacks and he like, he just kept hurting you guys with his feet. So I, I just, um, this game is other than like the 30 to three game that you were talking about in 2021, like since I've been here, like it's always been a competitive game. That's what I'm expecting it to be. Um, I think that like being in the Sun Bowl, certainly like if it's a close game, like obviously that's going to help UTEP. Um, maybe get over the hump just because you have the crowd behind you. But um, I don't know that it's necessarily like the biggest factor because I've watched NMSU, you know, go on the road um, that like the UNM game in Albuquerque a few weeks ago, like that's, that's as hostile an environment as you're going to get in this region of college football. And I mean, they were, they weren't phased at all. So um, we'll see. I mean, like I said, we'll see. It certainly is a, is a boost for UTEP. It's, it's a hindrance to NMSU, but I don't know that it's like the biggest deal in the world, I guess. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I remember it was always a lot better playing at home there because Mexico state fans were not the nicest whenever they'd be talking <laughs> to us on the sideline. So. <laughs> yeah. And you're uh you're the road bench at NMSU is right in front of the right student there. section. So you guys yeah. are like, you guys are just like, getting getting it on all sides at NMSU. I remember the uh, uh I have this video of Ronald Awat in the 2021 blowout um that you guys had just going back and forth with an NMSU you <laughs> fan and after he Ronald scored a touchdown and then came back, came back to the bench and was like yo effing suck and I was like oh wow here we go they were feeling it so yeah this this rivalry means something to people folks um so Ronnie's probably not gonna be happy that I shared that story, but it's on camera. So he has the, he has, I sent him a copy of the video. He's got the video. So uh, let's get into the keys to victory. Now um, I will do, obviously have you do UTEP. I'll do a couple for UTEP and then probably a couple for NMSU too, for any NMSU fans that'll be listening. So uh, Gavin, go ahead and go first. 
Yep. All right. So first one is just going to be obviously slowing down the quarterback. That's going to be a huge one. Defensively, you're going to have to put a spy or something to to try to limit his um, rushing yards is, and try to get him down on scrambles and everything like that nature. Um, offensively, um, we're going to need to see a, a, a really good turnout from the receivers. We're going to most likely going to have to rely on them this game. Not that Torrance and, and um, Dion aren't going to be capable of producing a good result. It's just that New Mexico State does have a really good run defense that we've seen um, in their first games. And then I would just say that that win the turnover margin and and try to establish as much of a a run game that that UTEP can, um, and then just try to try to lean back and and let let Cade go to work. Yeah, it's um my first one will be I'm gonna we'll have the same first one. It just like I said earlier, like stopping Diego Pavia and slowing him down is like if they if they don't do that, they will lose. Um, so that's the that's the biggest key for me. He's been playing um, lights out the last couple of weeks. Um, was the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week voted on yesterday? Was deserving of it. Four hundred total yards of offense versus Sam Houston. You wanted Kelly to get it. It was going to be him with Kelly. Kelly's definitely wanted, Kelly's definitely deserving. That would have been crazy if it was all oh, three of them. Would have been. Yeah. The I mean, for my purposes, it still made sense because it was a borderland sweep, not a UTEP sweep. But yeah. Uh, but no, like he. Like Kelly was deserving, but so was Pavia. Like he, full like four hundred total yards of offense, three touchdowns. I mean, he he was deserving too. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, slowing down him for UTEP, like that's that's got to be key number one. Circled, underlined four times. Like I'm sure that's the number one thing on the scouting report for the defense. Um, so that would be one for me. And then uh, another key to victory for UTEP. Um, it's just going to be getting McConnell comfortable early again. Um, we, we saw against uh, FIU that he was like, he settled in so quickly. Like they go right down the field on that first drive. He only had to throw two passes. There was a little comeback route to Ballard and then a, a slant over the middle to Akari, but the rest of it was Torrance and Dion just kind of hammering away. So if they can um, kind of do a similar thing on that first, you know, early on, get him comfortable, uh, get off to a good start. I think that'll be crucial. And then, yeah, like you said, you know, winning the turnover margin, I think they've only done it once this year and it was last week. Um, so, and like I said, Pavia is, he has been susceptible to turnovers, like look no further than the loss to UMass. Um, they where UMass scored three touchdowns off of his turnover, like, like directly off of his turnovers. Um, that's why they lost the game Liberty. He had three, uh, turnovers as well. So he has been susceptible to it. Um, UTEP hasn't been great at creating turnovers this year. Um, so that'll be on them to do that. So, but if you can do that, then, um, I think that gives you a shot. And then just real quickly, some NMSU keys to victory. Um, I think that there, there's, there's not going to be a player on the field. Um, but sorry, let me rephrase. UTEP does not have a single player like Monte Watkins, the running back number eight for New Mexico State. He is a burner. He's a speedster. He's a big play threat. He's got um, a few touchdowns on the. He had like a, he had like an eighty-five yard touchdown run against UMass. Literally nobody touched him um, just because he's so fast. So like that for for me, like I think they need to try to feed him the football um, a little bit just because um, kind of he's he's 
he's like Torrance Burgess where they probably don't give him the football enough. Um, and when, when you do like it, it, it goes a lot of places. So that would be just like feet for them feeding him the football. Um, and then just getting to McConnell early because again, he's still, it's just his second start. All he's really seen is success at this point. So if you were able to get to him, you know, early in the game and get him frazzled, get him frustrated, you know, maybe, um, it goes the opposite way that it did last week versus FIU. So, um, time for some predictions, Gavin, uh, NMSU coming in as three point favorites on the road over, uh, UTEP. As we talked about at the top, the miners have won the last two games in the series. Uh, last year's game was pretty close, uh, at the Sun Bowl 20 to 13, you guys got the win. How do you see this one going this week? Um, going to be a really close one. Um, I think UTEP's going to come out pretty strong um, and then they're going to be able to limit Pavier just a little bit enough to win. I think UTEP is going to take this one 28 to 24. You predicted seven points for them last year week, right? I did. And they proved me wrong and I am glad. <laughs> he's back. He's back. He's the, yep. the, the bandwagon has Gavin Beckley fully back on board. I am, I am back. I'm not in the dumps anymore. I mean, that would have been a, a really bad game if they would have lost against FIU. But, I it mean, like been. I said, this this past game was something that I hadn't seen in, in this whole season through for UTEP. So, back and I'm excited. So, hopefully we're able to, to take this one. All right. I also agree that it's going to be a really good game. Um, and it's – yeah. God, if if last week hadn't happened, it's so obviously so easy to say. But if that if last week's game doesn't happen, um, I think this we're probably looking at like maybe NMSU being like a seven to ten point favorite in this game. But obviously with the way UTEP played, McConnell played, you know that has a lot to do with the line now. So um, I also yeah I agree with you. It's going to be a great game. I'm going to take New Mexico State twenty four to twenty one. And uh, I'm ready to hear about it from all the UTEP fans that get mad at me for covering New Mexico State. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. have you seen you've seen all those, right? You you see those. Yeah, I mean uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it from me as well. So yeah, I if they if <laughs> if uh, if they lose to to New Mexico State, I'm fully ready to to hear about it from you on the podcast next week. <laughs> all right, I'll make sure to stick it to you if that happens. I'll deserve it if so. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm taking the Aggies in the 100th edition of the battle of I 10 Gavin's taking the minors uh before people get too mad I will remind you that he picked them to lose the last two weeks so I'm just saying just hey, saying would you have won't said anything else the way they were playing no I wouldn't you did you made the right <laughs> choice <laughs> we we both made the right choice last week they just proved us wrong so all right that's gonna do it for us here on the mine shaft uh we'll be back next week um re depending on how things go in this battle of i-10 we may maybe we do a uh, two podcast week like we did this past week so we'll see battle of i-10 uh 7 p.m wednesday on espn2 the 100th edition will it be the aggies will it be the miners we will find out see you next time on the mine shaft this is the mine shaft a dave campbell's republic of football podcast we'll see you next time